Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, if you could, really quick, just hit that subscribe button if you're watching this on YouTube. Or I think you can also follow or subscribe wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever. Uh, so, my guest today, Paul Gilbert. Amazing, amazing guitar player. We're going to cover his whole career uh, from when he started out to playing in the band Racer X to joining Mr. Big to his solo career and his teaching career. And he has a no- new solo album out right now. It's called Werewolves of Portland. That one is out and ready to go. He also has a new Christmas album coming out called Tis Was. It was? T-W-A-S. I don't know how you pronounce that. Tis Was, The Night Before Christmas. It's got two songs out now at the time of this recording. And the full album will, assuming I'm assuming it's going to be out before Christmas. So just make sure you follow that on Spotify or however you listen to your music. And if you're a fan of Paul's guitar teaching and his instructional videos, he told me in this interview that you can get personalized lessons from him where he'll critique your playing and uh, give you tips and, uh, and tell you what to do. So if you're interested in that, make sure to check the show notes for the link on that to get his personalized teaching. Uh, otherwise, get ready for an awesome interview with the one and only Paul Gilbert. How are you doing today? Welcome, Paul Gilbert. Guitar legend. This is amazing. I'm a big fan, so this is really cool for me. That, that's nice of you. I, I, and that's, that's a nice compliment. And uh, it's it's a little hot warm in my studio, so. Yeah. Now, now I'm comfy. All right, cool. So, I mean, you know what's amazing about you is that you've inspired a lot of people to pick up a guitar. But don't you also think you've inspired a lot of people to put their guitar down? Because, <laughs> like, you're too good. I can't. I mean, when I played guitar as a, in high school, I was like, I give up. I can't, I can't compete with these guys. <laughs> Well, I have to apologize and uh, for the instructional videos that I made in the early '90s, because um, my my goal was um, was not to help people. <laughs> I, I was still sort of desperate to to just begin my career, so it's basically just showing off, yeah, as much as I possibly could, and you know, not holding any secrets back. You know, I wasn't deceiving people. But I was definitely not putting the emphasis on like the core important things that make you a, a musician that people like to listen to. You know, and to this day, I, I, I suffer from it because, you know, there's the niche of people that love those videos and they come in and they're like, you got to show me how to play a scale up and down really fast. And, and uh, you know, I, I have to make the decision whether to help help. I mean. Yeah, are these the ones where you um you had like you pulled a rabbit out of your guitar and you put your guitar in a straight jacket and you had presents thrown at you by members of the crew? Is are these those ones? Those are those are the ones you know them. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I had a sense of humor in them, I guess, but it was scales up and down. There's there's a great scene in in the in the Mozart movie Amadeus where young Mozart premieres you know his new symphony and there's you know some of the older wiser guys in back and the one guy goes like ghastly scales and i thought that's that's the best adjective i've heard for skills ghastly yeah well because <laughs> isn't success so a career on ghastly scales and now i'm trying to make up for it well success is not sexy a lot of the time right like because i heard you talking about when you first started you only knew one song and you kept playing the same riff over and over again and you practiced an hour a day what was it uh uh, uh, 25 or six to four, right. You just kept playing that same riff 
And then you're like, okay, now that I got that down, now I'll move on to this like Cheech and Chong song. And then you learned all these other songs, but like it starts out you, and that's amazing that you figured that out at nine years old. Well, I'd already, I'd already had three years of, of feeling like a quitter. Cause I, I had taken lessons at six mm-hmm. and they were, they were horribly boring. At least, you know, maybe it's not easy to entertain a six year old. Sure. But, uh, I, I thought it was, it was all sight reading and I wanted to play, you know, I wanted to, you know, just get into some music and, and, and connect to it, but, uh, and, you know, and do rock and roll. And this was more like, you know, learning how to read sight, read Mary had a little lamb. And it just wasn't my favorite song. Mm-hmm. So, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll give up guitar cause it's too boring. So, and I thought I'll take up drums. And then I started taking drum lessons and it was the Haskell hard drum method, traditional grip and, and on a snare pad. And, and, and again, re- sight reading. Mm. And then that didn't sound like Ringo or John Bonham or, you know, the, the, the drummers I wanted to sound like. And so, and so I thought, well, I'm just going to buy a stereo and, and like do air guitar in front of my mirror. And so I did that for a couple of weeks, which actually turned out to be a good thing to do because there was a lot of listening. And a big part mm-hmm. of being a musician is, is listening. You sort of have to, you know, get a target before you aim at it. So did a lot of air guitar, you know, with, with Led Zeppelin and Beatles and Van Halen. Well, Van Halen wasn't, wasn't out yet. Um, but definitely Led Zeppelin. And then uh, finally got a guitar. Or, uh, and well, when I was nine, I, I just thought it's been like three years. I got to get going. You know, if I don't start yeah, actually playing the instrument, you know, instead you, of popping around in front yeah. of the beard. Did you practice the stage moves at that? Because I feel like that's a big oh, thing yeah, about gu- the, best part. You know, the, the faces, the, like, the, like the guitar faces and stuff. Well, I, don't, I don't really remember I, I didn't focus. It was very, you know, just the way I was feeling it. So yeah. it wasn't like structured. Okay. Now the faces and then we'll stop the faces. And now the arms, you know, it was just, you know, feeling the music and, and, and pretending I was the guy who, or whoever was the player and, uh, you know, sort of visualizing the stage and, and, and just having fun. And, uh, and then I, I had a, um, a music in, in, in school, you had music class and, and they demonstrated the steps of the major scale. And I looked at them and I thought, I wonder if those steps are similar to the lines, you know, the frets on my guitar. Hmm. I went home and I went, do, 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 do. And it was, whoa, that's, that's, a, you know, I can actually sort of play something. And uh, so it and wasn't I, natural for you. It wasn't just you picked it up and, and figured it out. Right. Wasn't part of the issue too. You didn't know how to tune a guitar. Well, there was one thing that was natural and that was, I had a pretty good sense of time hmm. and, uh, which, you know, because it was natural, I never really thought it was all that valuable because hmm. I just thought, well, that's just, I assumed everybody, you know, if, if you can, I, I just assumed everybody had a sense of that. I thought, well, if I can feel it, you know, I'm not special. I thought everybody, everybody feels. And then a couple of my friends started playing and I was surprised because they, they struggled with it. Oh. And this, the song, the song that was like, where I sort of noticed that was Beatles song called Hey Bulldog, which is a shuffle, you know, it was like, do, do, da, da, and you know, I could barely play the notes because you know it was just you know the instrument was new. I was a little kid, but I could I could aim. I, I knew that what the target was. The target was clear about what that should sound like and and the rhythm. And my friends, you know, we were all even playing field. You know, none of we could all of us were struggling. And and my my buddies hmm. would could get their fingers in the right place, but they couldn't. 
do it on time. And it wasn't a technical thing. It was more they just weren't hearing where it goes. And that's, that's actually a fairly sophisticated rhythm. It's, it's got a swing feel, a lot of syncopation. But I'd heard that record forever. You know, the Yellow, Sub- Yellow Submarine is one of my favorite records when I was a kid. And I'd listened to it a million times. It already put in the air guitar time. <laughs> and so that, that was really the thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's not just playing. It's the listening part. And I had done a lot of that. But you must have had some natural talent because I think – I know one of these guitar world or one of these things called you one of the 50 fastest guitar players of all time. And that's not an easy thing to do. I, when I play guitar, I mean, I was slow. I could not get from one chord to the next. It's hard. Well, I was never one of the, the fast guy on the block. I remember the, I joined a band. I was about 12 and, and I had to lie to get into the band because they had the little, uh, on the bulletin board, they had the sheet of paper up at the music store. that said, must be 13. And I called them up anyway hmm. and pretended I was, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm 13. <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do? Check your library card or something like they, they, they let me come you know, for the audition. I could play pretty good. So, so they let me in the band. And uh, what was, what was what were we talking about? The, the, what was the thing you were talking about before? How fast you could play. Oh, right. How fast. Yeah. And uh, you know, these were older kids. They, they were, you know, 14, 16, 17 years old. And they had, you know, they had friends that were musicians and they, and they heard me they're like, you're all right. You can join the band. But they said, you should hear Tony Eckel, you know, this, this legend, local legend. And so one day Tony Eckel came over and, uh, and <laughs> just remember all the weird details, smoking cherry cigarettes, whatever those were. Hmm. And, uh, and and he had, I think he had a strat and and he picked up the guitar and went like a million miles an hour. But it, it wasn't like a controlled million miles an hour. It was sort of like an explosive, chaotic million miles an hour. And I had this some standard inside of me where like I didn't want to be messy. Hmm. And uh, even though I, I mean I I love Jimmy Page and I love a lot of the, the the guitar players that that are called you know have the messy label on them and I still love them because they had so much other good stuff going on. Right. And even the messy thing is kind of you know it's it's, it's kind of like throwing paint. You know it's like it's not supposed to be. They're painting with a big brush. You know yeah. so you don't you don't expect a big brush to look like a little brush. Um, but anyway, for, for me, I kind of wanted to learn how to paint with a little brush and and have detail and and, and control. And I didn't have it. But I had the patience because I, I knew if I just start moving my hands fast, that that's just that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to blur. And, you know, it's like, so it took me a while to build that, you know, the, the technique with a little brush. Hmm. And, and it's not like it, it's not a one size fits all. A lot of it's like actually choices and choosing the lick that that works for. Because you know, I think some people think like, oh, you get that technique, you can just do anything fast. And it's like, no, you, you, you choose the licks that are speed upable. Mm. and 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 and, the, and are practical to do that way yeah but, you know but don't pick this thing that's ne- you're never going to speed up you know don't don't try to make an elephant i mean i guess elephants are actually probably fast but you know. <laughs> <laughs> right well speaking of speed so racer x this is one of your first bands you formed it in la so explain to me how this is like i gotta fill in some of these gaps here with with your career because you reach out to singer jeff martin in phoenix of the band, he was in a band, Surgical Steel. How did you find him if he lived in Phoenix? Uh, well, I was I had hooked up with Mike Varney, who was a record producer. Shrapnel and, Records, right? Yeah, he'd offered, yeah. Me, a, he'd offered me a, a deal with Shrapnel, and uh, so I was trying to put a band together. And he was helping me, and and so I, I found a bunch of guys at school because I was going to GIT. So that's why I found John Olaretti, who uh, let him change his name to Juan, and uh, the original drummer Harry Chaucer was a student. And uh, Bruce, 
the other guitar player ended up, Bruce Bouguet, and uh, I made, met him at school as well. And there, 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 I don't, if there was a vocal school, <clears throat> it wasn't, you know, they had two students or something, you know, there weren't many singers there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, although later, I, actually, I, it's funny, one, one of the guys that I went to school with was Jeff Buckley. <laughs> oh, he's and, famous. Uh, yeah. And and none of us knew that he was a, a singer because he, he, you know, it was a guitar school. So he was just like the rest of us sitting there practicing scales. And uh, I don't think he liked it much, you know, because he it just wasn't his thing. And later, I, you know, he became this legend as a singer and songwriter. But uh, but anyway, I, did, I didn't know that, that he was a singer. He probably wouldn't want to be my heavy metal band anyway. So, <laughs> um, so I, I was, you know, Mike would try to find people. He hooked, you know, he would hook me up and then whoever it was, send me a demo and we'd sort of trade tapes back and forth. And uh, immediately, uh, immediately I really liked Jeff's style and vibrato and, and it just reminded me of the singers I liked. So, and, and, you know, I met him and, he, and he's, you know, he's to this day, one of my best friends. That's awesome. So then, yeah. So tell me about that. When you guys were in that band in the scene in the eighties, like I love stories of the sunset strip, but it, it's interesting. Cause I heard you talking about how you never did drugs and the groupies were more, it wasn't girls wanting to have sex with you. It was more guys wanting guitar lessons from you. Right. <laughs> I, I, I wonder how much, you know, I had, I had dreams. I had hopes, you know, I, I, I saw the rat video, you know, I, yeah. thought, I thought this, here we go. This is going to be, and, uh, you know, after the show, either that or, or my standards were high. I don't know, whatever it was, <laughs> um, uh, mm. Whatever it was, it was it was much more connected to the music than I was to the the lifestyle. And uh, you know, I remember we were we were kind of in the bowling. That was like the, you know, our, our, after the show, we'd we'd go to the all night bowling alley, and uh, and and bowl. So that was you know, it was, it was pretty nerd. And I I, I used hmm. to play a lot of chess with Bruce. He was better than me. You know, he was he was um, you know, he'd always beat me at at, at chess, and. Uh, John and I, we used to, I used to go to his apartment. We'd play Scrabble. You know, so, <laughs> I, I, I played guitar so much, and I and I was just, you know, I grew up like in, in on a farmhouse. You know, the, you couldn't walk to anything, so I was like pretty. Uh, uh, was not advanced as a social human being. <laughs> Interesting. So, but you don't get offered. I feel like just being in that scene though, I feel like there's got to be drugs everywhere and, and girls. And I mean, the crazy stories I've heard of the sunset strip. I mean, I feel like it'd be hard to avoid. Well, we would go to the the, the strip to hand out flyers. Okay. And, you know, to go, get to the show. Um, but I, I think... You know, the I don't know if this is even a phrase, but is there a phrase like attracts like? Uh, you know, I don't know. There, yeah, there be that sounds familiar. Well, you attract similar people. Yeah, and uh, and and so you know, I I think people could tell right off the bat, like uh, this this guy's a nerd, and like, <laughs> the nerds would be like, right on, you know, let's let's go play some Dungeons and Dragons. You know, <laughs> I love it though. It's like so innocent. It's so great. So. Then you you decide that you're going to join Mr. Big and you say it's like jumping off a cliff, but in a good way. Like you didn't know what to expect, but you knew it was going to be great. How did you know it was going to be great? Was it just because of uh, I know Eric's manager had uh, managed Journey or so, was it something like that? Or was it uh, Billy Sheehan was in the band or how did you know that it wasn't going to be a disaster? <laughs> well, I mean, you don't know for sure, but yeah. Um... 
the uh, I'd always been a big fan of Billy's uh, mm. because I, I used to go sneak into the clubs in uh, in Pennsylvania when he played with Talis. And Talos was great. And, and of course, Billy was amazing, but I really, really liked that band a lot. And used to cover their songs and listen to them all, you know, go watch them all the time. And then, of course, Billy joined the David Lee Roth band, so he did big time. Yeah. And, and he used to come down um, to see Racer X with, with, the, with the David Lee Roth band. And uh, he would also, you know, Billy would come in and teach at, at GIT or, or mm. BIT, I guess. But it was the same building. And he mm. would stop in. Cause he, you know, he, he, we kind of knew each other a little bit and he, he'd stop in while I was doing a class and say like, Hey, what, you know, it's okay with you guys. If, if Paul and I you know, jam on a song and all the students would go, yeah. You know, so we'd, we'd play some songs and, and then, and we, we sort of had the common language of knowing a lot of cover songs. So I, I think, you know, Billy liked me because I, you know, I, he could name off any tune and I, I, you know, could, could make my way through it. And so, um, you know, after after the after he got out of the Roth band, I, I I think he was you know he was definitely thinking about forming a new band. He contacted me. I already knew about Eric because I had some of Eric's solo albums. And oh. I really really liked his singing a lot, and I didn't know Pat, but um, but as soon as we jammed together, he was, Pat was great, and uh, and of course the the management. Now the, the the thing then everything was based on the, the the you know having the good manager, attorney, and record label. And if you didn't have those things, you get the greatest band in the world, but but you'd be stuck forever you know playing local clubs and that's, right. that was in racer x we had auditioned for every big label and every management and it's nobody was was you know we weren't getting any reaction hmm. so um it, we were just sort of like man what else can we do and and then right right then was when uh billy called me up it was like you know i got this putting this band together and herbie herbert's the manager and you know and all stuff and i just thought maybe this this could be good timing and wow. it also it was, it was actually a heartbreaking decision because the, the racer x was a band that i had built from the ground up to a certain you know we were fairly successful locally yeah and, um, and the guys in the band were all my best friends and so you know i kind of felt like i was stabbing everybody in the back and uh you know and, and suddenly all my friends were gone you know because i you know, I, I, they weren't happy with me leaving and, uh, uh you know, I don't, I don't blame them. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't the nice thing to do. Really and, though? Even though they weren't happy for you to be playing with the, the basis from David Lee Roth. And, uh, I mean, they weren't happy for you to take a step up because we, really, we were really tight knit, you know, we, we were, hmm. we had, um, we really built it together and it was our, it was our mission. Hmm. And, uh, so it was it was a hard decision. I remember I remember just being in my apartment, really soul searching, and just not knowing knowing that, you know, either if if I stayed, I didn't I didn't know if it was just gonna you know Racer X was just gonna uh, you know fizzle away. Yeah, it seemed like we had tried everything we we could, but at the same time I, I felt like I was you know betraying my friends, and and so I ended wow. up you know with this great new band. And no friends <laughs> for, for a while. I mean, it, you know, yeah. a couple months later, I, you know, got back together. We're all friends and, you know, have been ever since. So um, they, they were, they were kind of mad at you for leaving at first though. They felt like you betrayed them and it was like, but then they got over it because guys are usually pretty get over stuff pretty yeah. quick. Well, I don't, I don't know if I can speak for their emotions. I, I, all I can speak is I felt bad about it. Hmm. I, I, I know that that's, you know, to, to me, I, I felt like I, you know, did something not so nice to my friends, and I, I felt I felt pretty guilty about it. Interesting. But at the same, at the yeah. same time, I was, I was like, man, this is an how can I pass this up? You know? Yeah. 
Interesting. That's interesting. So then, so then, uh, Mr. Big, the first record, I like the first record. It's good. Addicted to that rush. Great fast guitar playing. But the second one, that first song uh, on the second record, uh, daddy lover, little boy, whose idea was it to do the power drill? Cause you and Billy both use the power drills, right? Yeah. Well, then, then I started doing that back in racer X. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, that was, that was way back. I mean, it wasn't on any, I don't think it was on the record. It might've been on the live album. I might've done oh. a little bit of as part of the live show with, with Racer X, and then you know, one day I brought it into rehearsal or something, and, and Billy's like, "Hey, can you make me one?" And we got another Makita and and got a, a bit for it, and uh, we we did that really quick. I mean, we sort of knew the spot in the song where it was going to go, but I don't think we had I don't think we had rehearsed that part. We just sort of had like, "This is the drill section," and we'll you know when when after we record it, we'll figure out what to put there, and. Uh, and I, I, I just sort of thought of that. I mean, I don't, I don't think I thought of the, the time later. I realized it's the melody from uh, Blondie. You know, dreaming, dreaming is free. You know, oh, and, that's and awesome. Not exactly, but that was sort of. Yeah. I, I was, that's my hobby is like going like, oh, that melody is like that melody. And that, that was. I, I, yeah. So what, close. what about the other song that this is one of my favorites is uh, I didn't realize that you wrote this, the music for this. And I guess the band hated the title green tinted sixties mind. This, I think this song is so underrated, but you wrote everything on that, the music and the lyrics, right? Well, I, I kind of wanted to just see if I could, because all the, most of the writing that I had done up to that point was, was like, you know, I'll come up with the riff and then the singer writes the vocal. Okay. And uh, just, I just thought, I wonder if I can do it, you know, cause I'm, if I try, let's see what happens. So um, that one, I mean, I, and I was still at the point in my songwriting where I didn't have much craft. And so I just sort of had to wait for something to fall out of the sky and write it down real quick before hmm. it disappears. So I, I, you know, it was just an in- inspiration. And I, and I remember when, not on that song, but on uh, some other songs, Eric would come in and go like, well, that's good, but why don't we change the second verse? And I'm like, I, I can't do it. That's what came out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say this one was uh, inspired by Beach Boys and uh, Paul McCartney a little bit? Well, everything is because uh, you know, that's that's what I listened to when I was, when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, there, there's there's a fancy chord in there that I, I you know you can find it in in, in uh, you know if you find it on, like God only knows or or um, what's the McCartney song? My love does it good. And that's oh. the same chord in the there that that yeah chord. Which I learned at school. I never, you know, I don't know if I could have worked that out by ear, but it's, it, you know, at school that's where you learn the, the 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 stuff you can't work out by ear, and then you play it enough where you start to recognize it, and go, and then you, then it, it becomes part of your language. Right, right. So then to be with you, obviously that's your biggest hit with Mr. Big, number one song. What is it like having a number one song on the radio? Like, were you guys chart watching and seeing like, oh, is it going to pass Paul Abdul or whatever the. Uh, people behind of it or ahead of it uh, were on the charts. Did you watch that stuff? I mean, definitely. As soon as it started climbing up, you know, our, our man, our management, I mean, you couldn't check the internet in those days. But sure. We'd get a call from the management. They're like number 10. And we're like top 10. Oh my God. You know, and uh, you know, number three, number one, we couldn't believe it. And, and the thing is, it's, it's, it feels like it's completely, at least for me, completely out of our hands. You know, so it, in, in a way, it's like I, I don't feel like, like, oh, this is something I did. What did what, you know? Give give me my pat on the back. It's like, no, you 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 make a song and and it, it does what it does. Hmm. 
you know, whether it's, whether it's number one or, or nobody listens to it, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of out of your control. But I you mean, must have felt like you made the right decision at that point when you're thinking of, do I leave Racer X? I don't know. And then it's like, okay, now I got a number one song. Like, you yeah. made a good decision there, right? It, that, uh, I, I don't think we would have had the number one with, with, uh, with Racer X. I mean, I think, I've, actually, well, I, I did find out because later on I, I reformed Racer X. Yeah. And we did do some other albums and they, and they, 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 were, they were really cool. And I'm, I'm glad we were able to do that. No, it's awesome. I love that band too. But you know, it's just like, it's just, I, I think that you kind of needed to have that pop success to bring you into the spotlight. I think that that helps Racer X even, doesn't it? It helps your name be more recognizable. And Well, it's, it's, I'd say the other interesting thing is that the, the extra people that, that, that took notice of us because of, of, of having a, an acoustic ballad pop hit aren't necessarily rock fans. Mm-hmm. So I remember that d- during that two weeks, our audience changed completely because, you know, a normal gig, you're playing for the guys in leather jackets and yeah. Metallica t-shirts. And then uh, the, the two weeks, it was like all 12 year old girls in the audience screaming whenever huh. they'd see Eric. And, uh, and then the, the song, you know, dropped down to number two or so, you know, and they're all the girls are gone and it's back to the leather jacket. Guys. <laughs> Weird. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, predictable, I guess, in a way. And, uh, but uh, I don't know the, the, the that always, I guess there's parts of life that I feel I have some control over, which is like when I pick up a guitar, you know, the sound that comes out, that's, that's kind of under my control. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I put my focus and where it goes from there. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, you have your hopes and your dreams, but, but there's not uh, and you know, you can do stuff like this, you know, you know, do an interview, or, you know, you do your little bit of promo, but something like that, have a number one hit. That's uh that's just winning the lottery, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. And then you even managed to got, you guys managed to have a top 40 hit with the third album with the cover of a uh, wild world. Who's I, and that was at the height of grunge. I remember that. And that's a great album. Uh, that was amazing. Whose idea was it to cover that song? You know, I don't remember. I, I think I, I know that the, you know, the, the, la- the label wanted another acoustic bell because obviously we had. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so I don't remember if it was, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. Um, the, but that worked out. The thing I remember that was that caught us by surprise was, of course, it's a cover of Cat Stevens' song. Yeah, and and Cat Stevens at some point had become uh, a Muslim, mm-hmm. and you know, we're musicians. We just like the song, you know. Mm-hmm. And we, I remember, it wasn't so much in the states, but I remember we were going over to like to, to Europe, and all the interviewers would be like, "You know that you are supporting the, you know, they would Thing. We're like, what the, you know, and Billy could handle it. Billy was smart enough where, where he could take that question and, and somehow steer, yeah. us, steer us safely out of those, <laughs> those uh, dangerous waters. Yeah. But the rest of us are like, ah, uh, you know, it's a D minor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Well, what about, so the song Colorado Bulldog, I remember like you guys saying, and Correct me if I'm wrong, but because I remember reading this in Metal Edge that the song was about drinking it, but you guys didn't drink a lot. But when you did, it got crazy. Now, is that like accurate? Because I remember reading like Sebastian Bach saying in Metal Edge, like, uh, you know, I'm against hard drugs. And then I read his book later and he's talking about cocaine. And he said, well, that's because Metal Edge is for kids. So is that an accurate story about Colorado Bulldog, though? I just love that we're talking about Metal Edge. 
I uh, love that's how I got to know you guys. Like, I got read interviews. I love. Did you, did you remember Metal Edge, right? You guys were big in there. I, I mean, I, I remember it, but um, I haven't thought about it for a while. Really? Um, yeah. That's fun times. Every day is a new day. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, maybe if I, was, if I was able to keep my metal hair, if, that, if it would grow <laughs> that long, I could finally you know, get the White Snake audition. But, but uh, yeah, anyway, the, I think um, as far as like drugs and drinking, well, how would I encapsulate that? I had, I don't think I tried a beer until I was about 22 because there was, you know, there was a, a beautiful girl at a party and she handed me one. I was like, I will drink anything. I love these but stories. I, I just had no desire. Somehow my mom put this fear of like destroying my brain. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I drank the wrong thing, you know, my brain would just turn into goo. Right. And, and I didn't want that to happen. So, you know, I've never been a drinker and, and never tried anything, you know, except at the dentist when you need to you know, <laughs> not feel the drill. Um, and the, the other guys drink a bit, but you know, nothing, nothing. Right. Really. But, but I think, you know, I, I had once in a while hanging out, I would try something. And I, I did try to drink called a Colorado Bulldog. Now, when you say like get crazy, I, I, my apologies. You know, I don't, I don't think I ever really got crazy. <laughs> but is there that somebody something happened? I'd be sitting sitting in the back of the of the you know the the, the what do you call it? like the at the at the rainbow they've got the booth and I would just be in the back you know smiling. That's about <laughs> how crazy I got. <laughs> I love it. You're so innocent. It's so great. So then you guys go in 93 though, you guys went on tour with Aerosmith and Steve Vai. Did you ever have like a guitar duel with Steve Vai? Like in that movie Crossroads? I, I, I think, I don't think Steve was on that tour. Oh, he that, wasn't? That, that may be some misinformation, but we definitely Dang went it. on the tour with Aerosmith. Okay. So Aerosmith. So never yeah. toured with Steve Vai. That's weird. I thought it was like multiple dates. I saw with Steve Vai. Maybe he was on other dates. Yeah, that was we turned with Aerosmith. I mean, later on, what was this? Man, I've done a lot of like jams with Steve Vai, but it wasn't, wasn't oh. that. That's yeah. But Aerosmith, cool. That's got to be amazing. That I mean, Joe Perry. Well, then Steven Tyler. That was, yeah. Um, I, I was always, you know, I'm just a fan of singers. So some of the like the backstage jams, I remember when it, was, it, was, it was my birthday, <laughs> and Steven Tyler comes back and we sang Nowhere Man together. And wow. you know, I, I, I remember we were doing another tour opening for Brian Adams, and I got yeah. some help together with Brian Adams. And to to hear these guys' voice, Eric, I mean Eric Martin too, you know, to, to to hear them like not through a microphone, but just like their voice in the room, you know, three feet away from you, is really something else. Because that, that's, I mean, besides the fact that they've honed their craft, sure, and, and they're, you know, they're they're, you know, really skillful. They are the instrument. There's mm-hmm. only one of those. You know, yeah. you can go to the you can go to the store and and buy a Gibson Les Paul just like Jimmy Page has, and uh, you know, of course, you know, he's got his own way of playing it. But you know, the instrument itself is that human being, and and so that yeah. that I really treasure those memories of, of you know being able to hear those guys sing at, at close range and just go like listen to the air vibrate when when they open their mouth. That's cool. You know? No, it's real. I would love to see, I've never seen you live. I think that'd be cool to either see Mr. Big or solo show, but um, another song I got to ask about um, like 17 year old me. I loved this album. Hey man. And the first song trapped in toyland. I thought that was such a cool song. And I didn't realize until now that it was actually 
co-written with your buddy Jeff Martin from Racer X and also Russ Parrish, who's the guitar player from Steel Panther Satchel. And uh, it just sounds so different than any Mr. Big song, but I really love it. Is there a story behind that song, like how that came about? Well, Russ had been, he'd played with Fight. Yeah. With, with Rob Halford. And uh, and so he, I, I can't remember which part of the song came first, but I know, um, yeah, so my, my memory's blurred. I just remember, you know, Russ wrote some of the riffs, and uh, I think the part, I, well, you know what the part I had, which is funny, was... Um, the kind of odd—I mean, it's not odd time, but the, just the, the the kick drum pattern is is unusual hmm. because it's just doing it a straight four groove with the, with 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 the drum, you know, you know, don't don't. But then the kick is starts doing this syncopated and bump 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 bump, and that came from a, a song that I had written when I was like fifteen. Uh, and, and sending tapes to Mike Varney, and I had that this riff that I always thought was cool, and then, and that ended up being in, in, in the song. So I, I just remember I wrote that part. The rest of it, probably the other guys wrote it because I don't remember where the rest of it came from. Okay, yeah, because I, I just it was interesting that piano, and it was just it was kind of like a spooky song. I don't know, it was just it sounded so cool, and it just I liked it. I liked that one a lot. That was one of my favorites. But um, so yeah, I mean, with that with Mister Big, it sounds like Eric and Billy are kind of content with that. Just the band ending. Do you, do you feel the same way or would you reunite with Mr. Big and do some shows or an album or. Oh, the pressure's on. Let's see. I would say it. Like we, we've already done, I don't know, like three, three, like the, the reunion tour we did. And I think it was 2009 was great. Mm. That, that was so that, 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 that was like all for the right reasons. Like we're everybody's into the music. Pat was still around and full strength. Yeah. And, and I, I liked the record. You know, I thought, what if, you know, to me, it was really turned out good. And uh, although I don't know if we've done the record, that record yet. I think we just did, we just did like, a, we re- maybe released, um, what was that? I got to get to the chorus to figure out what the title is. What am I th- Is it uh, Get Over around. It? No, uh, wait. Next, next, we had a single called Next Time Around. That was actually. Oh, okay. Before, but, um, we released that and then we did a tour. And that was a great tour. And then as as it went, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like. Uh, by the end of it, it's like, I don't know what else we can do. Like, it, it didn't. That, that's not really hmm. where my writing style is, is going. I mean, you know, you know what? Actually, <clears throat> excuse my voice. Uh, I think one of the things for me is my current musical passion, although I'm a guitar player, is kind of taking on the role of a singer on, on guitar. So like on my last tour, I, I did To Be With You and Green Tin of 60's Mind, and I played the vocal line on guitar. And huh. I remember the last time, probably, probably drove him crazy, but last time I visited uh, Jeff Martin, he, he wanted to j- jam and he had a band put together. And, and I, I, I said, like, I said, do you have a ratchet set? And he said, he said, yeah, I think because he, you know, Jeff can fix anything. He's got a bunch of tools. So I, I pulled a ratchet out and used it as a slide. And, uh, and I, I barely played any rhythm guitar. I just doubled him. I doubled all his vocal lines. Hmm. And, and that's kind of where my headspace is. Like, I feel more like a singer, you know, playing that role with the guitar, playing melodies, than like sitting in the back going, drug, 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 drug. And I don't know. I, I think I, I would probably have to take up drinking. <laughs> 
in, in, in order for it to like be in, to find something to be interested in because you know with Mr. Like, Big, you're saying you'd have to start drinking to join to do a show with Mr. Big. I think I would probably have to have to start drinking. To, really? To, you wouldn't want to just do it for fun or something? It's like those songs. I just looked down at the set list and go like. Okay, there it is again. You know. <laughs> okay, well, okay. So let's talk about your solo career. You have a new album out. This is exciting. I I'm a sucker for Christmas music, and this is cool. It's like I've only heard two of the songs. Um, one is called uh, "Every Christmas Has Love." That's an original song, is it not? Yeah, that one I wrote. Okay. So then, yeah, and then the other one's a, a Christmas song, Hark the Herald Angel. So of course, everyone's heard that song. It's your version of that. And what else is going to be on this new Christmas record? Well, let me let me grab a copy and see. Oh, that's exciting! I get this. I was hoping you'd have the guitar too to play. Like, I saw other interviews where you were playing the guitar, but yes. Oh, wow! Yeah, that's the cover. Mel, the glove is here. <laughs> um, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Frosty the snowman. Uh, the Christmas song, which is the you know chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Uh, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. I saw three ships. Uh, one another one I wrote called Three Strings for Christmas. Hmm. Uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. Silver bells and winter wonderland. And winter wonderland, I used the drill. Oh, cool! Wow. So, and then these are these all instrumental, where you're singing with the guitar. You don't actually sing on any of them. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, the, the guitar is my voice. Okay. Thank, yeah, because thank goodness, because it can hit the high notes. Well, yeah, but like the one song you do, uh, you do. I mean, you sing on a few songs, but I know one of them. One of the most popular songs that you sing on is called "Down to Mexico." That is a great song. That's one of your most popular songs on Spotify. That's well, thank you. I love uh, that song, it's yeah. really good. I never heard it until I started uh studying for this interview, and I was like, How have I never heard this song before? It's great. It uh, yeah, I mean, I, I in, in Japan, like when after I left Mr. Big in, in around '95, um, you know, Mr. Big was so big in Japan that I could actually kind of eke out a, a living as a solo artist over there. And I, hmm. I, I don't know how many albums I released, but it was quite a few. And I was trying to sing on all of them, and this was you know, I just got in a home studio because they like. You know, oh. digital recording had become affordable. Okay. So I had my home studio and my, my idea was, well, now that I've got my home studio, I can do like a million takes. You know, I, I can try again and again and again to get the vocal right. Mm. And so even I can be a singer, not realizing that if, that if you can't do it in, in, in two takes, you probably shouldn't be doing it because right. so you try it live, you're going to suck. Right. So, so, so like, but I didn't tour that much. I'd, I'd just go to Japan, do four shows, and come back. So it wasn't like enough hmm. of uh, enough of a. Um, I didn't really get to test it out. And, okay. And, you know, it, I think it took the thing that finally two things got me to stop singing. <laughs> the, the first one was I I, I did a cover of "Still Got the Blues" Gary Moore song. Okay. Uh, cause, and actually, because it's my mom's favorite song, and I thought like, ah, oh, it'd be nice to do something my mom likes, and. Uh, and so I was trying to do that. And then Gary Moore is an unbelievable singer. Like besides being a great guitar player, it's, it's, it, you know, he, he could hit the high notes and really had great style and soul. And I was trying to do it. I, I just don't have those high notes as part of my range. So I'd kind of falsetto through it, you know, so long, it was so long ago. You know, it sounds like Mickey Mouse singing, you know. Hey, <laughs> no, that sounded good. Well, that's, you, you hit the notes. Yeah, but it's not the same tone. I mean, I mean, if Gary Moore, if we could magically get him here to sing that, you, you'd hear a little bit of a difference. Okay. So, so I got torn apart on YouTube. You know. Oh, I, really? I was reading the YouTube comments. Everybody's like, you know, stick the guitar, dude. You know. And, and I, 
And I thought, you know, they're probably right. <laughs> really? You actually listen to the trolls. That's interesting. Because well, most people I interview say, oh, fuck those trolls. I don't care. People are, are totally supportive of you know anything I, I do. But th that was like a surprising number of people going like, I don't know about this. And then I, you know, I listened to it with hopefully an objective ear. And I was like, yeah, that's not really full strength. And so um, it was that one. And the, the other one was um, my manager studied managing Richie Conson and, and uh, uh, the band he has with Billy. The, the, uh, the winery dogs. Winery dogs. Yeah. yeah. And and so my, my manager would, would always, I, I'd always hear him complimenting Richie like, man, that kid can sing. Oh, he can sing. And then whenever my manager talks about me, he's like, really clean. His playing is so clean. You can hear every note when he plays guitar, you know, but my, my manager never said a, a word about my singing ever in the, like the 30 years I've worked with him. <laughs> well, you got to know your range. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. that, that Mexico song sounds great. I think your vocals are perfect well, that's for that. Good, that. That's because I had the, my recording studio and I could do a thousand takes. Okay. Well, it still, it still works. So when you do live shows, you don't sing at all anymore. Do you sing a song or two or. Yeah, sometimes I'll do a song or two. Cause that, that's the thing you can get away with one or two. Yeah. You know, but, um, it's not, and, and it's sort of nice to be in that position where you can just sort of blast out for one song and, uh, you know, you can wreck your voice and, mm. and, and you haven't wrecked it enough where, you know, yeah. you the whole tour, you know, so I can do it the next day. But if you got to do a whole night of, of singing, I, I mean, I don't envy any, any singer. It's like, man, how do you, how do you do it? Especially, I mean, with, with rock. Right. Yeah. Like, totally. Like screaming. And, like and, Jeff Martin. Yeah. Well, he, he's amazing. Yeah, he is. He's amazing. Like I'm listening to him. Like when I listen to racer X, I'm like, Oh, this is like, I see why Scott Travis joined Judas priest. Cause this is a, he's kind of got the Rob Halford style of screaming. Yeah. He's, 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 he's great singer. But, uh, but for me, I sort of, you know, realized my limitations, especially, you know, being able the fact that I can play guitar and that's available. That's, you know, that's an option mm -hmm. and, and being able to, you know, suddenly I go for a high note and it's like, it's there every night. And no matter what, that's, yeah. that's such a nice feeling compared to like, you know, before you step on stage going like, you know, please let me have that high note. And, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, so in the werewolves of Portland in that album, you do the uh, drums and the bass and the guitars, you do everything, right? Well, well drums, th that's, that's so much fun. That, like that's uh, cause there's no wrong notes, you know? You, you just... <laughs> well, it's got a, be in time, I guess, but you said time means your strength. So guitar, guitar can be treacherous, and bass too. You know, because you, you, yeah. you, you like hit, you know, you hit the perfect time, but the wrong note, and it's it's pretty foul. But uh, with, with drums, you know, it's whether it's this tom tom or that tom, who cares? You know, it's, it's, as long as you, so it, with drums is such a freeing, it's, it's such a liberating experience to pl play the drums for me. And, uh, it's therapeutic, I, I, right? Like it's like, or cathartic maybe is a better term to like play the drums. Like you get that energy out, right? Yeah. And, well, that was nice too. Cause it was, it was during the lockdown. So for, you know, got some exercise, <laughs> um, but I, after that record, I bought a little kit and I, I play every day now. It's, 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 it's really a blast. And, and plus I, I've, I had the best drum teachers in the world. Cause it, you know, every time I'd play with, with, you know, Pat Torpy or Scott Travis, or, uh, you know, I play with so many great drummers. And Jeff Martin is a fantastic drummer. I learned a ton oh. from him. Wow. Oh, that's you know, right, because he played drums in Dawkins or something, right? Can you show me how the lick goes? You know, or what's that? Didn't uh, Jeff Martin play drums in Dawkins or something like that? He played in Badlands with Jakey Lee. You know, he played with with uh, Dawkins. He played with UFO and Michael Shanker. That's amazing that he can play drums and sing that well. That's amazing. Well, 
that, I mean, if you're a musician, you're a musician. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know how I, I'm just always amazed by you guys. And, uh, I, you know what else I'm amazed by in that, in that speaking, going back to the werewolves of Portland in the music video, is that you dancing? Is that you? And, and it was also, you know, zero preparation. I'm not that. But that's those are some moves. I mean, you got some moves. You're and your kid Marlin is the uh, the little werewolf, but that's you as the big one. Yeah. Well, the the funny thing was um, after I did that video, I mean, I'm 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 gonna be 55, you know, at the end of the week, and I I could barely walk for about two weeks after (laughs) I did that video. Crap. I'm not doing that much, but afterwards I was like, ah, oh, like I, I, I turned all feeble, like I couldn't move my hips. They also, everything got so stiffened up. I'm oh, not no. used to doing that. Oh, but it paid off. That was a great. That's a great video. Now I just got. Hopefully, I got you a few clicks on that video. People will check that out because it's awesome. It's a great song too. Now, when you do, um, you did a guest spot on Donnie V's Beautiful Things. I love that album. Now, how do you choose to do guest spots? Like, do you have to really love the music, or do you only play on? people's albums who are friends or how do you choose those coveted guest spots? Cause I'm guessing you get a lot of offers. Yeah. Well, it's, it's either, it, it's some combination of, you know, music, fun and money. So, you know, <laughs> I if, like that. If you have, if you have enough of any of them, you know, it's, it, if it's a, you know, <laughs> if, if the above a certain level, it's like, you know, I'm here, you know, so what do you want? What do you want me to play? You know? And if it if it's you know within Donnie's case, I just you know I was like, man, I'll I'll, I'll pay you, you know. I, I love his music so much, so yeah. I, I did that. Did, you know, did that. Uh, what's 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 the French way of saying for free? Non gratis or something? I don't know. I oh, for free. okay, yeah. yeah. So um, that, was, that was just because I, I was excited to play, you know, do anything to contribute to Donnie's music. That's yeah, that's awesome to hear. So There's how everything in between? You know? Yeah, so we're doing pretty good with this interview. I know that uh, obviously very, very well documented. You ha- you've had some hearing issues, um, so and it was obviously probably caused by being around loud music. So what advice would you have for younger musicians? Like how do they avoid having those issues later, and how do they protect their ears? Well, the. I would, I would say the, the the difficult thing is that obviously if you love music and you love rock and roll, a lot of the real trebly loud sounds are exciting. Mm-hmm. So like as, as a kid, my favorite kind of drummers were guys that would just sit there and bash away at a crash cymbal. And I would like walk up and just dig it. And, and, and I would, it would just make me feel so good to hear that trebly, wow, that washy sound. And the same thing with the audience, like at, at the end of the song, that, that was the that was the main reason I didn't want to wear earplugs is because I wanted to hear what the audience, you know, that 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 felt so good to hear the the roar of the audience. And if you wear earplugs, and even if the audience is going crazy, you can't really hear them. So it's like mm-hmm. it's sort of uh it's frightening. It's like, do they like us? You know, should, should we leave? You know, right. they don't know, you can't hear them. And uh so the, so a, a lot of I mean sometimes I wore earplugs, but sometimes I didn't. And I, I would say just as much as you can, just, you know, get, get a, I, I get, a, I get them in big boxes, these big boxes of foam earplugs. And again, if your hearing's good, you, you know, you can, it, it takes a while to damage it. So you don't really realize what you're doing. And it also takes a real while to, 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 to realize, to, to know that you've damaged it because it, because it is gradual. So, you know, just as much as you can stand it, where where the foam earplugs? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that scares me because I've been to so many concerts and most of the times I didn't wear the earplugs. I'm trying to start now, but it, you're right. It's just like something. It's not the same when you have the earplugs in, but I know that I'm supposed to. So, so it's uh, yeah. I mean, you do can and and 
I would say the, 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 like the, the thing that I do now, because I'm still, you know, I'm trying to save my hearing as much as possible. What's yeah. left of it is um, when I play on stage, because it's loud on stage and I kind of want it to be loud because that feels right. Mm-hmm. And, and what I do is um, I, I, you know, jam those foam earplugs in my, in my ears as much as I can. And I make sure that the drummer is close because I want to be able to, I want to be able to feel mm. the drums uh, without having to put them through the monitor. Okay. So I did, I just want to, you know, I, I want to, I want the drum kit close to me and, uh, and chances are if the, if the drummer is close to me, not only can I feel him, but he can hear me because my amp's going to be close by. Sure. And, uh, it's really important for him to hear me because if, if like, if, if there's some hi-hat thing, like the beginning of green tinted as his hi-hat cue. And I ended up telling the drummer, I said, like, if, if I like, like I can't be wrong cause I can't hear you. Mm. So you, so I, you have to just pretend that even if I speed up or slow down, I'm right no matter what. Follow <laughs> me because I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't hear you well enough to to uh-huh. lock back in. So just follow me wherever I go. You know, my apologies, but that that's that's what we got to do. And you know, fortunately, my you know my sense of time's okay, so I usually don't speed up, slow down too much. Mm. And uh, and then the the other thing is I, I put a, uh, a guitar amp on stage facing at me. And just get that loud enough where again I can feel it, hmm. and really that's all I need. If I sing, I can hear it because my, my skull's vibrating. Okay. Do you put? Do you wear a, what do they call inners or something? In ears? Because that's putting more sound in. So okay, so you don't want to do that. It's, it's more feeling it. Okay. Hmm. Really picking it up through my through my vibration of my body, and and I you know I did a whole tour and never had a conversation with the with a monitor guy, except like you know. I'm set, you know, what do the other guys want? Cause you know, I, cause you know, my monitor is like my little lamp, which I've got control of and being near the drum kit. And that's all I need. Okay. Did I hear you say too, that there may be a drug that could help restore some of your hearing. That's crazy to me. They're, they're work. They're working on stuff. It's, it's, I mean, it's real beginning stages of it. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not depending on it, but yeah. you know, you know, you, you can, you're going to have a little seed of hope. Yeah, it's some well, it's crazy because like I mean you look so great. Like you look like you're in really good health other other than the hearing thing, right? I mean, what is your secret? I mean, you got is it just good genes or you exercise or what special diet or <laughs> this is the most wonderful question I've ever had in my life. Right? Uh I I mean I I have nothing to contrast with. I don't I don't have like a twin brother who is had who has had a life of hard living. <laughs> To, to contest and go like right, well, but there are a lot of people who went on the Sunset Strip who are I won't name names, but they're not doing so well. So maybe part of it was avoiding all that crazy partying, right? Yeah, I mean, I I always I I, I really like food, so you know I would tend to seek out healthy stuff because 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 you know it, it just makes you feel good when you eat it. It's, it's hmm. nice. Um, You're not a vegetarian though, or anything. Besides that, I like I don't. I'm a, I'm a busy person. I'm always doing doing stuff. So, you know, I'm not a I'm not a couch. I don't know how to use the remote control. You know, that, so that I would say that's it. Like, I'm not an exerciser. If when I exercise, I tend to hurt myself. Um, huh. I mean, my my main thing says like you know walking to the grocery store to get some good food to cook, and uh, and then playing the drums. Okay. Uh, but hmm. uh, but I'm kind of constantly going, you know. I, there's I, I I teach at my online school, and that's it's it's a fairly in, it's intense mentally. And I think yeah. that, that even though that's not like a you know 
muscle the same way your arms are, it's still a, a big a big part of you. And I think having an active an active mind. That's the only thing I can think of because I'm I'm not doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. For I'm sure. Doing bench presses. Right. Well, so I'll get in trouble if I don't ask something about uh, guitar gear. I know I'm not a guitar player, but I know guitar players that love you and follow you. They probably want to know something. Do you have any new guitars that you've gotten or new pieces of gear or new toys that you're working with? Uh, I've, I, I mean, always this this year I bought a lot of vintage Ibanez stuff. Ooh. But you know, the the, the thing that I'll, I'll say there's a discovery is um is is like having pretty high action where that that's how high the strings are above the fretboard and and when i was a kid that was the didn't you want everybody wanted low action because hmm. easier you know you don't have to press down as far it's easier to play fast but the, the problem with and then I, I guess the maybe the way you solve that is if you have heavy strings then you know it, it doesn't get ugly um but I, I tend to use really light strings i like to bend a lot and uh and so if I if I have if I have high action, it does two good things. It, one is is it's easy to grab the string for bending. The other is I can hit it pretty hard with with my right hand, and it doesn't buzz. Even though it's vibrating a lot, it doesn't hit the fret. So it's and also for slide, it's good because it doesn't mm. buzz. Even you know, which is unbelievable. You with slide, typically you have to use really heavy strings. I've got really light. I'm using eights, which is like people you know guitar players gasp in horror, like oh, hey, how can you do that? And if they if they sound good with 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 if only the action up, and the thing is hard is then you when you press down you got to press farther, but because the strings are so light, you can do it. Hmm. So that, that's that's sort of the secret is just you know any guitar just make the action high. But what what do I got here? Let's, let's, let's see. Yeah, do you use the same guitar for every song if you're doing a live show, or do you switch out for different songs? For for live, well, well live you you have to. Um, you know, it's that balance between having fun, bring a lot of gear, and then, but also like the not fun of having to wait while it all gets checked in at the airport. Oh, that's and, right. And, yeah. And have, and have to pay for the excess baggage and all that. So, um, you know, I, I think the American tour that I did a couple of years ago, that was probably the most I brought out because it was all on a bus. Ah, and, and, there you go. And, they, and we started, you know, at my house. <laughs> so, so I, we, I could take more than I usually do. But uh, for example, this, this is one of the cool things. I, I, I invented the slide magnet where I have a magnet installed in there and it holds a slide. Oh, on. that's cool. That's so smart. Why didn't anyone think of that? And then uh, it, it, it's funny because, of course, most most guitar players, I mean, if you're, if you're playing a guitar like this, you're a right-handed person. So you tend to reach for stuff with your right hand. And if I, if I show any guitar player this, like, oh, they always go for it with their right hand. It's like, that's not what it's for. You do it with your left hand because you're playing. Right. And you just go and you, and you get it and you put it back. Yeah. So it, it takes some training to, to do that. We'll see if I got a sound. Let's see. Get this turned on. Oh, that's not the, that's right, the other other knob. Yeah. Show off a little for my audience because I don't know if they know if they don't know who you are. They they're gonna know at the end of this. This is gonna be amazing. Is that coming through? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. How fast can you do it? So, 
Oh God, that's amazing. That's so cool. Do you, do you play a lot in Portland where you live? Like, do you ever just go up on the, the local clubs and just jam with people or? Not really. I mean, I, I've, I've played a lot of Portland musicians on the, on the records that I've done. Mm. Um, but, uh, I mean, one thing with COVID, you know, everybody's just stuck at home. Sure. But, but besides that, um, man, I'm, I'm a dad, so I'm, I'm in bed by, by 10. Oh. That's kind of late. You know, if I can get, if I can get in bed by nine 30 things, you know, that's a good night. <laughs> right. I'm up at, I'm up at five. So oh. yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's when I can get like an, an hour of, of, of time for me. Yeah, I can come down and, and, and jam a little bit, you know, before the day starts. So okay, uh, that's know, to, cool. To, to, go to, to go to a club like when it's dark, and it was funny. Like the other day, I was, I was driving. I don't remember why, but it was dark outside. It was like, man, I I haven't driven in the dark for for su- such a long time. And, and actually, Portland was beautiful. There's all these lights and stuff. I'm like I've never even seen this. <laughs> wow, that's I'm cool. In bed by, by when, when it's dark out. That's funny. Are you, um, I saw that, uh, you're going to be in some documentary called Empire about amps and, uh, music and the evolution of the sound of the amp. Is that, has that come out yet? I don't know. Um, there's, I mean, there's, there's so many things these days, you know, pedal movies and, and, and various things that, um, I, I don't really keep track like, like I used to, but you are in that, right? Like it's, it sounds like a pretty, I uh, think so. I, think they, I think they, I think they came to my house and, and, and did something, but again, that's that's I mean maybe that's a great I hope I, I hope I don't seem like a jerk like I don't care <laughs> no like that's but it's cool because I think REM's in it and Rush the Doors like they they talk about Chris Cornell Leonard Skinner like it's like a Aerosmith Lita Four I mean it's this big long list of musicians in this movie and you're in it so I was like oh that's really cool to be you know included with all those guys I'm I'm trying to think of like something where. I was included and and really excited because what 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 happens is like if it's if it's something you've done before it's like oh yeah 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 that's that's you know that's my job you know like but it's cool for guys like me who suck a guitar we look at you as like a guitar god you understand that right well the um the the things I'll get excited about are things that where I maybe get to connect to musicians that are in a in a in a different world that like like songwriter people. Uh, there was some, I, I remember, I, I think I looked up on the internet about uh, about that chord, the Green Tennessee's Mind chord, the minor seven flat five, that chord. And and I, I, I like Googled, you know, songs that have a minor seven flat five. And I was in there. Oh, that's cool. And then, you know, then, you know, the cats that are in that list, you know, are, are like the, my songwriting heroes, or, you know, the Beach Boys, McCartney. And, and that was like, oh, my goodness, you know, that's that's huge honor. To, to be among those those people because you know i'm i'm not a i'm not known as a, as a writer i'm known as a shredder so he's like yeah 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 you know whittly whittly whatever but if you know if i can be on the on the same list with brian wilson it's like oh that's that's something else like did you ever get to, have you ever gotten to meet mccartney or any of the beach boys or any of those people you know i think i was in the in, a, in the lobby of a rehearsal studio with brian wilson but at, at the time i don't think i even knew the history i, mm. I knew about the about the, the the beach boys but i hadn't it was like before i had picked up pet sounds mm. and so that was kind of like yeah 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 you know uh, i just thought you know, help me run it which actually i mean that's pretty awesome that's but, a great uh, song too yeah i love that that's great uh, but I, I would say like the, the 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 meetings they had that were amazing to me first of all the ones i mentioned like being able to you know jam with uh steven tyler and brian 
uh, Brian Adams. Yeah. The other one was, I, I got to play drums with Cheap Trick once. And, and, uh, they, I, cause I, I got to know the guys in the band and, and every, I was living in Las Vegas and every time they would come through, they would invite me to jam and, you know, we'd, I'd go up and stay to play surrender or something on guitar. And, uh, and I, I think I had, I had sat in like three times in a row because they, they, they you know, they tour a lot. So, yeah. And then, you know, it was like the fourth time. And I was like, you know, I, I said, I said, Tom, you know, what do you think? Could I play drums this time instead of guitar? And he's like, let me ask Bunny. And so, you know, and Bunny said yes. And so I get to play He's a War on the drum kit. And that was, you know, again, that was because I'm, you know, a hobbyist drummer. Yeah. You know, that, that was like more exciting to me than any guitar jam I've ever had in my life. <laughs> That's so cool. I love those kind of stories. That's great. Well, I look forward to the new Christmas album. The uh, Werewolves of Portland is out now. And hopefully you'll be doing some solo shows. I'd love to come see you play. I love seeing guitar players live. I mean, I like listening to, but seeing you live would be amazing because I just love seeing you guys work. It's just even local musicians. I just go, wow, I just get so amazed by people playing instruments and doing it so well. Well, it's and whether it's guitar, any instrument, I mean, it sort of allows you to, to, to build a superpower mm -hmm. and uh, you know, which I certainly don't have without the guitar. <laughs> But you know, when you invest all this time and and energy and love, you know, in, into playing an instrument, and then you you know you you play it, all that all that comes out. You know, you're able to like let your superpower shine. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, that's, that's a nice thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like to end each episode with a charity. Is there one? Is there one that you like to work with or a cause that is near and dear to your heart that you want to mention here at the end? I, I was going to say I, I, I knew I was going to be asked that question, and I, I thought the Oregon Zoo. I live, I live in Portland. Yeah. And I, and I remember before the, before the lockdown and COVID and everything was happening or no, I'm sorry. It was, it was after uh, the lockdown. Okay. And of course they, they closed the zoo, which means oh, they yeah. didn't have any, and they didn't have any income. <sighs> and, uh, and I thought, you know, I mean, it's hard on people, you know, but, but people, you know, we've, we have some, you know, we, we, we're not like in cages locked up, you know, where the animals, they really need help. You know, yeah not going to make it unless somebody helps them out and so i uh, my wife and i did a um uh like a stage it concert stage it's this online thing we can do a concert and people can you know you can get some money from it and we uh we, we donated a bunch of money to the organ zoo from that and uh you know my, my, my i've got a seven-year-old kid so we go together and look at the bears and the and the marlin the kid from the, the video the music video right what's that again isn't isn't it marlin is that his name yeah, Marlon. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's in the video. He's a, he's a good dancer and a, and a good companion, you know, as a zoo visitor. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, I will put that in the notes along with your website, so people can get the new music and uh, follow you on social media for all all your and YouTube for all your crazy videos and instructional videos and and uh, well, all I the new music. I should mention I have an online guitar school with a company called Artist Works. Okay, and I've done over eleven thousand lessons there for uh for individual people so if you sign up you know i listen to you play and oh I you can get private lessons from paul gilbert well they're not live which is actually better okay it gives me a minute to think about a better answer oh okay so you know the, the people send in a video i watch it and listen and then come up with a you know a lesson and i send it back and also it means that you you know when the lesson's over, you're not like, I know he said a million things, but what was it? You know, it's all there in videos. So you can watch it again. It gets on the site and the archives. And, you know, I've, I've seen more improvement in students there than I've seen in any other system. So, and, it, and it's cheap. 
Okay. If I, if I do live lessons, I'm pretty expensive. But yeah. Okay. Like so. A day, you know? Oh, okay. This is called Artist Works. Artist Works. Okay. Yeah. I will put that in the notes along with the Oregon Zoo and everything else. And uh, people can uh, follow you and, all, and do all that great stuff. So thank you so much for doing this. Dream oh, come true you. for me. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye, Paul. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, that was a lot of fun for me. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. If you did, please subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen so you can stay up to date with future episodes. Uh, Also, you can check out some of my other interviews that I've done. I've had on some great musicians, including guitarist Steve Stevens, guitar player Bumblefoot, and uh, Ryan Roxy, who's Alice Cooper's guitar player, and many more singers, bass players. I got all sorts of stuff. Uh, Make sure to, of course, follow Paul Gilbert on YouTube and social media and Spotify or wherever you get your music. Uh, Paul's got a lot of great content, including his new music and also his instructional videos. And again, if you want personalized instruction from him, make sure to click that link in the show notes. Uh, My website is also in the show notes, and that's got links to all my social media and the YouTube and press for the show. So thank you all for your support of Paul, and thank you for your support of my show. I appreciate you. I hope that you have a great day. And remember, shoot for the moon!